0: Today on The Matt Wall Show, we will talk about the incredible toll the lockdowns have taken on our children, At least, uh, as at least one school district is rushing to reopen in response to a surge in childhood suicides. Also, five headlines, including Biden admitting that nothing we do will change the, traje- the trajectory of the virus. So then why does he want to wear a mask for 100 days if it's not going to change anything? Plus, an MSNBC analyst tries to make a profound point by extensively quoting a Nicki Minaj lyric and... In our daily cancellation, yet another TikTok parent is on the slate to be canceled. That and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. You know, one of the biggest win-wins, as, uh, as I'm always telling you about, one of the biggest win-wins that you can ask for is to be able to support a company that provides a valuable service, but also supports your values and is working for you uh, and uh, and your belief system in the culture and that's why you've got to check out charity mobile um, charity mobile it's called the pro-life phone company there's a reason for that it's at five percent of your monthly plan plan price goes to the pro-life pro-family charity of your choice uh, there's also a lot of other stuff that comes with it they got live customer service based right here in the usa if you ever have anything you need uh, and if you want to just check out charity mobile try the service out and you don't wanna make a commitment right away, that's fine because there's no contracts, there's no termination fees, there's no risk with a 30-day guarantee. Also, new activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. You get free usage alerts, you get an app to monitor your usage, pay your bills a lot more, um, and that's really convenient as well. And the entire time, you are helping to build a culture of life in America while supporting a pro-life phone company. Charity Mobile is what I use, um, and uh, it's what you should use as well. You can turn everyday living into effortless giving for the charity of your choice. Also, you get nationwide service on America's largest and most reliable 4G LTE network. If you want all of that, and who doesn't, call them at one 474 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. Much of the conversation about the lockdowns over the past 10 months has focused on the question of whether they are actually the best way to slow the spread of the virus. Uh, that's been, you know, that's been the be all and end all of the conversation. But this has always overshadowed and obscured the more important question, which is whether slowing the spread of the virus should be the overarching number one priority of our entire society, relegating all other concerns to secondary status. Is stopping people from getting the virus, in fact, so important that any other cost they might have to bear as a result for our measure of our measures will be worth it? You know, that is and has always been the real question. And it's not a scientific question. That's the thing. It's more It's more of a philosophical question. It's a question of priority, um, of importance, of risk versus reward, cost and benefit. See, this transcends statistics. It's not something you can figure out by looking at a spreadsheet. It's not something that a, a guy like Anthony Fauci will necessarily have anything useful to say about. And that's why the powers that be did not want the issue framed this way. They, they only wanted us to ever consider the first question, which is, will the lockdowns stop people from getting sick? All other considerations be damned. All other questions are moot, they claimed. And they are, and we're always wrong about that. Which brings us to a rare event. Um, over the weekend, the New York Times published some actual journalism for a change. A story by Erica Green Reports on the decision to get schools in Clark County, Nevada, Las Vegas, opened again as soon as possible. And what's prompted this urgent rush to reopen schools is a surge in suicides among children in the area. Let's read now from the piece a little bit. It says, since schools shut their doors in March, an early warning system that monitors students' mental health episodes has has, has sent more than 3,100 alerts to to district officials raising alarms about suicidal thoughts, possible self-harm, or cries for care. By December, 18 students had taken their own lives. The spate of student suicides in and around Las Vegas has pushed the Clark County District, the nation's fifth largest, toward bringing students back as quickly as possible. This month, the school board gave the green light to phase in the return of some elementary school grades and groups of struggling students, even as greater Las Vegas continues to post huge numbers of coronavirus death cases. Superintendents across the nation are weighing the benefit of in-person education against the cost of public health, watching teachers and staff become sick and in cases, some cases die, but also seeing the psychological and academic toll that school closings are having on children nearly a year in. The risk of student suicides has quietly stirred many district leaders, leading some, like the state superintendent in Arizona, to cite that fear in public pleas to help mitigate the virus's spread. Now, the piece continues by looking at the um, larger suicide trend, which it admits is hard to quantify because we don't have national data on suicides in the year 2020 yet. Even so, it says, quote, one study from the CDC uh, shows that the percentage of youth emergency room visits that were for mental health reasons had risen during the pandemic. The actual number of those visits fell. The researchers noted that many people were avoiding hospitals that were dealing with the crush of coronavirus patients. And a compilation of emergency calls in more than 40 states among all age groups showed increased numbers related to mental health. In Clark County, 18 suicides over nine months of closure is double the nine. The district had the entire previous year, six students died by suicide between March 16th and June 30th. 12 students died by suicide between July 1st and December 31st. One student left a note saying he had nothing to look forward to. The youngest student Dr. Jara has lost to suicide was nine. Okay. Nine years old. So think about that. My oldest kids, the twins are seven, seven and a half. Really? Um, Not that far from that age. A a child so young committing suicide is, it's literally unthinkable. You you can't wrap your head around it. And of course, we can't know specifically what drove any of these kids to this point. It would seem safe to assume that many of these children, whether in Clark County or elsewhere, had other things going on in their lives, in addition to the lockdowns, which may have contributed. Though, again, we can't know. But anytime a nine-year-old kills themselves... That should be an occasion for the whole country to stop in its tracks and ask, what the hell is going on? How could there be children so young and yet in such a desperate psychological state? Now, you could point out here that suicide rates among children have been rising across the country before the lockdowns were imposed, before COVID-19 existed, way before. A report from, from PBS in 2019 had these findings. It said between 2000 and 2007, the su- suicide rate among youth ages 10 to 24 hovered around 6.8 deaths per per 100,000 people. Then the rate curved upward, reaching a rate of 10.6 deaths per 100,000 by 2017, a 56% increase in less than two decades. Says by the year 2017, um, suicide was the second leading cause of death among Americans aged 15 to 24. To put that in context, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death among Americans in general, of all ages. So this is clearly a problem that predates the lockdowns. But that only further proves why the lockdowns were a disastrous mistake, especially with respect to schools. Whatever the reasons, and the reasons are various and complex, there was already a crisis of despair and hopelessness among children. They were already vulnerable. And now you lock them in their homes for months on end, rip them out of their routines, take away their friends, take away their social gatherings, Instill in them a deep fear over a virus that poses very little risk to them personally. Force them to be muzzled when they go out in public. Deprive them of the chance to even see the faces of strangers when they're out in public. I mean, how do you think that's going to end? What other result could it possibly have but this? And this is why I say the spreadsheets and the statistics and the bar graphs miss the point. This is why lockdown critics are not denying the science. We're accused of, well, you're denying the science. Our point is that the most important questions don't have anything to do with the science. The science is beside the point. And if you disagree, if that scandalizes you to hear someone say the science is beside the point, okay, well then tell me scientifically, what is the reduction in cases, the exact number that makes even one childhood suicide worth the cost? If you're telling me this is a scientific question, well, then go ahead, Spock. Make it scientific. Tell me how. S- spell it out for me. Take just the child who said that he uh, who, who killed himself before that, said that he, 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 you know, he missed his friends and he missed how things were before. How many alleged lives saved from the lockdowns make that worth the cost? What is the scientific answer to that question? There isn't one. Because this is a moral question, as I said, a philosophical one. And my moral and philosophical answer is that there is no reduction in cases, no slowing of the spread that can make one child's suicide worth it. That's my answer. What we're doing to our children right now, the damage we are doing, nothing can make that worth it. Nothing. And you could disagree if you want. But save me the crap about I'm following the science. This has not a damn thing to do with the science. It's about priorities. I believe our priority as a society should always be, always be protecting our children. That should always be our number one priority as a society. Is that what the science says? No, the science doesn't say a damn thing about what our priorities should be as a society. That's what human beings are supposed to say. And that's what makes this all the more disgraceful. You know, we have seen a total inversion of priorities. This virus was never a great threat to children. So we have done all of this to protect ourselves. We have asked or demanded, really, that our kids, our kids, our kids make the sacrifices, even even bear the brunt of the sacrifices so that we can be safe. This is exactly the opposite of what we are meant to do. You know, societies can be judged by how they treat their children. I, I believe that. And we were already failing enormously by that measure. 60 million kids killed since Roe v. Wade. So we were already a failure in that regard. But now after this, I mean, what will future generations say about a people that drove their own kids to suicide in order to protect themselves from a virus? They won't say anything good. We can assume that. The judgment on us by history will be incredibly harsh. And we will deserve all of it. Now let's get to our five headlines. So, you know, they say honesty is the best policy, but um, sometimes in marriage, you know, I I do tend to doubt that a little bit. I have to be honest with you. Uh, I'll be honest about that. Sometimes I doubt a little bit. I sometimes doubt the honest, the, the value of honesty in marriage. And I'll, I'll just explain why, like, for example, yesterday I, I got home from traveling. I was traveling over the, the weekend. Uh, I was in Austin and for a pro-life event, actually, because they do have those in Austin, it turns out. And it was a great event. Anyway, I came home a few hours. I, I thought everything was fine. A few, and everything looked, you know, everything looked normal and the same to me when I got home as it did when I left, because I only left the day before. And a few hours after I got home, my wife said to me. She said, as we're sitting on the couch, um, hey, so you didn't say anything about my hair. And I said, and this is where the honesty kicked in. Okay, this is where I was going to be honest. And I said, what about your hair? And she said, I dyed it. And I said, oh. And she said, you know, it's, it's brown now. It was blonde before. And then I said, it was blonde before? And then I realized I should stop saying things in that moment. But here's my point. I was honest for the whole conversation. I was completely honest. Now, do you really want to tell me that was the best policy? I don't think it was. And then actually in, in my, in my defense, I actually went, cause I, I never know when to drop it. So, um, a, a little bit later on, I went back to try to prove my point. I pulled up her, her profile picture from Twitter, which is from before she allegedly dyed, dyed her hair. And I showed it to her and I said, no, your hair was Brown before it looks the same. I was trying to mansplain her own hair color to her. I was bringing facts and evidence and destroying her with it. But it didn't matter. She said I was colorblind. I don't know. Maybe I am. Um, Anyway, so keep that in mind. Just a little marriage tip. Let's go here. Uh, Number one, President Biden last week had an interesting, well, interesting admission, I guess we could say. And here it is. Let's listen. If we fail to act, there will be a wave of evictions and foreclosures in the coming months. As this pandemic rages on, because there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. There's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. That's what he just said. You know, I, I, obviously, if we had if we got a media interested in the actual news, I mean, this would be like headline news everywhere. This is a, a stunning thing for him to say, considering what his new administration is in the process of doing. Like, for example, a 100-day mask mandate. Everyone wear the mask for 100 days, even though people have already been wearing the mask for 100 days, more than that. Um, So why are we doing that? And as far as I know, this question has not been asked by anybody in the media. But it's like, okay, well, if we can't change the trajectory, um, which, by the way, I'm I'm not saying I disagree with that, actually. But if we can't change the trajectory, then why are we wearing the mask? What is the point of it exactly if it's not to change the trajectory? I thought that was the entire point. If it's not the point, then what are we doing it for? Meanwhile, a local reporter in California, uh, Madarios Babb is is her name. She has this. This is what she reports on Twitter. She says, I've obtained an email from the California Restaurant Association that says Gavin Newsom will be lifting the stay-at-home order for all regions across the state tomorrow. Um, And she continues, I'm not sure if this means the region will fall back into the tier system, but no matter what, it would mean less restrictions. The CRA says it was informed of the lift today by Newsom's administration, but the formal announcement won't be until tomorrow. So the formal announcement will come today or has already come. I don't know. But this is just another strange coincidence, isn't it? Like as soon as Biden gets into office, he says, well, there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the virus. Didn't say that before. And now you have California; they're lifting those state at home restrictions, opening up the restaurants. And we, we we've seen this really strange coincidence in uh, in states and regions across the country. And and the thing that makes it even more coincidental, I know this is all because I don't want to get into conspiracy theorists theories, right? I'll be is, if you connect too many dots, you're automatically a conspiracy theorist. Not, so that that you don't want to be that. So I'll just say it's a it's a weird coincidence that not only do we have these areas opening up as soon as Biden is inaugurated president. The other strange thing is that all the areas doing this are run by Democrats. Hmm. <laughs> but who could possibly draw conclusions? No, don't be a conspiracy theorist. Don't do that. It's just, it's a coincidence. You know, coincidental things happen. That's all it is. Number two from the Daily Wire, it says, In the past week, the Montana House Judiciary Committee passed a bill which would create the Save Women's Sports Act, an act that would bar biological boys from teams or in sports designated for women or girls. By passing the bill, the committee set up a floor hearing in the Montana house. The sponsor of house bill 112 uh, told the Montana free press that he wanted to protect the 1972 title nine permitting biological boys to compete against biological girls would be just wrong. He said, so they're passing this bill. The reason I'm, I'm reading the story is that, you know, this is exactly what states have to do. Um, you know, it's what been one of my themes over the last week is let, let's 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 localize our focus as we have sometimes neglected to do as conservatives. Um, and this is one area here. Now, I also wanted to as we're talking about because we know the executive order from Biden, as we as we're talking about. Putting boys into girl sports or into girl locker rooms just to demonstrate. Just the demonstration. Now, you probably don't need a demonstration, but I'll give it to you anyway. Because it's good to have it's good to have the numbers just in front of you. So to demonstrate why it's insane to allow males to compete against girls in sports, and why you need bills like the one they're passing in Montana, um, let's go to kind of a famous example of boys competing against girls. That's in Connecticut, where you had uh, Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller. Those are both males, and I think now they've graduated. But for a couple of years, you know, they they both guys. And they, uh, but they, they identified as, as girls and they started comp- running against girls in track and field. Okay. So here are the results from the 2019 Connecticut State Championships. Okay. For, for the girls, this is the 55 meter dash. Um, Terry Miller and I, Andrea Yearwood for the state championships, they both came in first and second. Again, in the girls' meet, they came in first and second as boys. Terry Miller was, was first. Uh, He had a 6.95. That was his time. Andrea Yearwood had 7.01. And then third, quote unquote, third place, which is Chelsea Mitchell, who really was first place because she's the, she is the, she, she was the best sprint, best, the best female sprinter in the state in high school was Chelsea Mitchell. But she came in third place and she had a 7.23 which is significantly behind a 6.95 in a sprint. You know, that's might as well be an eternity. Okay, now keep those times in mind. You go over to the same year, 2019, the men's varsity 55-meter dash. Now, this is the field that Miller and Yearwood should have been competing against. And Miller came in, in first place against the girls at 6.95. First place for the men's was 6.51. Seventh place was 6.63. So this is a guy who wouldn't even place. He wouldn't even make it on the track. He probably wouldn't even f- qualified for the finals against the, the men with his times. But against the girls, he dominates. This is a mediocre, at best, male athlete, male runner, who against females dominates. Then if you look at the other, um, it's, it's even more pronounced, like the 300-meter dash, Terry Miller, had a 40.13, enough to beat. Second place was an actual girl, one second behind. Again, one second and a dash is, is a lot. Um, but against men, the number one time was 35.11. Twelfth was 37.65. Again, wouldn't have even made it on the track with those times. So you, you just, you cannot look at that and deny the biological, first of all, the biological difference between between men and women. And also the fact that just the simple fact of being a guy affords you enormous inherent advantages that are very, very difficult for a woman to overcome. That a mediocre male athlete, or even a bad male athlete, could just waltz into a women's sport and take over casually without even having to work that hard. All right, number three, the New York Times um, had this. I just thought this was a great headline. President Biden is perhaps the most religiously observant commander-in-chief in half a century. A different, more liberal Christianity grounds his life and his policies. Right. Which, you know, I think it, it's similar. It's it's It would be like a headline that said, Arby's is perhaps the healthiest restaurant in America. A different, more liberal view of nutrition grounds their recipes and menu. So when you start phrasing things like that, it, it does, you know, makes you feel better about eating at fast food anyway. But this is obviously ridiculous. And we're just, no, here's what I'll give you. Now, leaving aside the fact that, as we talked about last week, Joe Biden's version of Catholicism is not Catholicism at all. Um, He does not belong to Catholicism. He belongs to the the religion of self, really. But even putting that aside for a minute, uh, yeah, he does go to church and all that. So at most, you could make an argument that he's the most religiously observant president of the last three we had. Only because Obama and uh, and and Donald Trump were probably the least religious presence we ever had. Is he more religious than George Bush? I mean, George Bush was condemned repeatedly by the left for being like a theocratic fascist like me. There's no possible way he's more religious than George Bush. But of course, we know during the Bush era, being religious was a bad thing. It was a bad, scary thing. Now that Biden's in office, all of a sudden it's okay again. It's cool to be religious again. That's big news. Only don't get too excited because you have to be the right kind of religious. Which is, in the end, we find out not really religious at all. Okay, number four. Um, this MSNBC clip I want to play for you. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe there shouldn't be any setup. You just have to hear it for yourself. Let's listen.
1: And this time, Trump is out of office. So the entire case is not about removing him, but whether to convict and disqualify him from holding any office like the presidency forever now, this is huge and has never actually happened before the united states senate deciding something that can shape history sanction trump and ensure he never has power again and do so on that basis that you see right there for life there's no more significant amount of time than for life that's why Nicki minaj famously sang, for life for life and if the work is vindicated, best believe when it's done, it will be syndicated for life, for life. And just as Nikki declared herself in this very moment a king, the question here is if the speaker will ultimately slay Goliath with a constitutional sling.
0: That, well, I mean, what can I say? That's a great Minaj quote. Uh, personally, and I, I mean, don't, don't we, we all quote that all the time. Classic, classic. Personally, though, the one that I find myself quoting often is from her great song, uh, and you you even know what I'm going to say, Barbie Tings, uh, which is one of the great songs. And you know how it goes, but uh, I always find myself saying this in in just situations throughout life. Um, She says, and I I love this so much because of how deeply it resonates with me in my life. She says, it's time to make hits and it's time to diss. How you still dissing, still can't find some hits. Was it worth it, dummy? I ain't mind a bit. Still on that show getting no chips. Time to dip. I, 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 I'm i still fly. Just bag the white guy. Richie, light guy, and I still eat Thai. Want the Nikki cheat code? Come on. Nice try. Let's be real. All you b wanna look like me. So that, you know, for me, so the guy on MSNBC, you know, we, we just, we all have different Menage lyrics that we, we love to quote. Uh, it's, it's, there's nothing weird about that at all. I mean, this guy, he wanted to make a point about the fact that for life is a long time. And he wanted a quote about, I don't know, life being long. First thing he thought was Nicki Minaj. Who, who among us, who among us wouldn't have done the same in that exact same situation? All right. Number five, finally, this, this video has gone viral. Um, it's a very important video. Almost as important as Nicki Minaj. And I want to play this for you uh, because, you know, I, I don't like it. I know I do a lot of canceling myself on this show and I'll be canceling someone coming up in just a moment, but also based on a viral video. But, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in, in unfair cancellations. And I think there's an unfair cancellation happening here. This is a woman. I don't know who it is. I don't know the context. Okay? But it's a woman giving her recipe for how to class up a bowl of SpaghettiOs. And she kind of makes this Spaghetti-O pie. This is, people are, she is getting, let's, let's, let's just take a look at this video. She is getting demolished for this. So she's got the spaghettios in a pie crust. And then she takes, she takes some bread and butters it down real nice. Puts a whole lot of butter on the bread. This is her recipe. I think this is what she does for her kids. And then she takes garlic powder and she just, she's a, tons of garlic powder all over the bread. Now this is the one part here that I that maybe is a little bit hard to stomach. She actually smashes the bread down with her arms and her hands. She's she's I, she's never heard of a rolling pin, I guess. Maybe she doesn't have one, so she uses her hands. Doesn't look, her hands her arms don't look too hairy, so so maybe that's not so bad. And then she she cuts all the crust off. And okay, so she, now she's got the she's got the smashed down garlic bread. And then she puts some uh, mozzarella cheese on the spaghettios in the pie crust whole bunch of mozzarella. And that's the expensive mozzarella cheese, too. So she's not, you know, no, 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 uh, spare no expense here. She's, she's using, she's like an $8 bag of cheese. Puts more garlic on the, uh, SpaghettiOs. And then she's going to put the bread. Oh, then she puts milk in. Okay. She puts milk in the SpaghettiOs. And now she's going to put, and she mixes it together. Oh, and then she puts more SpaghettiOs on top of it. And then she puts the bread on top of the spaghettios, the garlic bread, and bakes it. And I think there's a follow-up video where she actually cuts the, the, the pie and then like serves it like a pie. With <laughs> pie. And here's my thing. Okay, this is all I'm going to say. Um, people are saying this looks like a, just a big bowl of vomit and it's, it's, the mo- it's the most horrific video they've ever seen on the internet. And there's been a lot of disturbing videos on the internet, so that's saying something. I just want to say, you. we both know That actually looks kind of good. First of all, there's not much you can do with SpaghettiOs. So can you think of a better way to class up some SpaghettiOs? SpaghettiOs already are basically inedible. So can you think of a better way to make SpaghettiOs edible? This is the most noble attempt anyone has ever made to make SpaghettiOs edible. And also, basically, look, we know if you add garlic powder and cheese to pretty much anything, it'll be okay. Put some bread, add some more uh, carbs to it, makes it a little better too. I'll tell you one thing, my kids would destroy that. My kids would love that. And I would, uh, you know, I would eat it too. I think we all would. Let's stop pretending, okay? Let's stop pretending to have fancier tastes than we really do. The spaghetti garlic pie. I will defend it. I will say for that, Not canceled. Now, a quick word from Rock Auto. You know, we're all looking for, what are the things we're looking for, Uh, especially as customers? We're looking for ways to save time and save money. That's what we want to do, as customers anyway, right? Uh, You know, I I think as a customer, that's not a time for like stopping and smelling the roses. You just want to get in, get out, get what you need, get it for as cheap as possible. At least that's how I am as a customer. If you're the same way, then you got to try out rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is so much easier than get in your car, drive into a, 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 a store. You know, there might be problems too, depending on what kind of part you need for your car. You might not be able to get to the, to the auto parts store, but whether you can or not, the fact is you're going to go in there they might not have what you need. And if they do have it, uh, it's probably going to be more expensive than it needs to be. That's why you gotta try out rockauto.com. You have access to it at your desk, in your pocket. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. They're a family business. They've been doing this online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You could quickly see all the parts that are available for your vehicle and you could choose the brands, the specifications, the prices you prefer. Uh, and, uh, most likely the price you're going to prefer is the, is the best one. Uh, that's at least how I go. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car or truck. right? Walsh in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Also, um, Daily Wire, you know, we are, what are we doing? We're taking back the culture and we're doing that starting with entertainment content. We got a lot of big plans for Daily Wire uh, dot com coming up in the year, year ahead and the years ahead, a lot that we want to do, but that starts with getting into the entertainment space. And that started with run, hide, fight, which is our new, um, feature film, which was just released. And if you're not a daily wire member yet, but you want to watch this movie, which you really should want to watch it use promo code RHF to get 25% off. That's RHF for 25% off. We picked run, hide fight after Hollywood students, studios, Turned down the quote distasteful subject matter because it didn't include leftist talking points. We picked it up, um, and you know early critic reviews were pretty negative. But once we released it for you guys, the audience came in and said, "No, hold on a second, this is a good movie." And then also it's been interesting that that now the critic reviews are even ticking up a little bit. Um, I think because the critics are you know realizing maybe that they got it wrong the first time. So you got to check out Run, Hide, Fight. If you're not a Daily Wire member yet, again, use promo code RHF to get 25% off. That's RHF for 25% off. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, we have another parent on TikTok to cancel. Um, I've selected this one as a representative of a larger problem. It's not that she individually is deserving of cancellation. I mean, she is and richly so, but the issue is the greater cultural phenomenon on display, which we will discuss. This is from a woman who goes by the handle Cat Might Be Funny, And she is funny, I can report, though, perhaps not in the way she intended. And along with the video is a caption that reads, this level of vulnerability is not comfy for me. Hashtag parenting. Hashtag moms of TikTok. Hashtag parents of TikTok. Hashtag LGBTQ. Hashtag mental health. Yes, we're at the point where people put Hashtag mental health to accompany videos of their own mental breakdowns. So let's, uh, let's check this out.
1: I've just been yelling in my car for 30 minutes because parenting is hard. It's hard because they're little mirrors. If, if I want my son to be a better person or to grow up and just be a good f-ing human, I have to be a good person. He mimics everything I do. He mirrors everything. So if I have a f-ing bad attitude, he's going to have a f-ing bad attitude. If I say f***, of course he's going to say f-ing. I have to
0: change me to change him. There you go. You know, I was just waiting, uh, much like you probably, I was waiting for the camera to pan back and her kid is sitting in the back seat. Apparently he's not. So that's good. Although it does raise the question, who's watching your kid while she yells in her car for 30 minutes. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I just, maybe she hires a babysitter for such occasions. It's possible she calls up the sitter like, Hey, um, can you come over for an hour or so? Yeah, I just had this psychotic break I had to go do. Uh, it's on a calendar scheduled. So, okay, see you when you get here. I don't know. I don't know how it works exactly. More to the point, what we really have to consider are two things, right? Context and content. And, I mean, this is what, this is what I factor in any time I'm deciding on a cancellation. This is, this is the pro- this is, I'm bringing you into my process right now. And in this case, it's the context, not the content, that gets her canceled. So on that end, the context here is that she is filming and posting the video of herself crying and screaming about how hard it is to be a parent. This has become a very common genre of internet videos. In fact, you know, if internet videos were distributed old school at like a blockbuster video and, and you had to go into the store to browse and rent the video you want, the genre of women crying in their cars would take up like five entire rows. Uh, it would be like what it used to be at Blockbuster when you go in the, 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 uh, the action and adventure se- section, which is the best section. That was almost half the store. And that, but now it would be women crying in their cars. But why would you do this? If you're having a desperate personal moment where a crushing existential realization has come rushing in and you are reduced to screams and tears because of it, happens to the best of us. But why would you want to film it and turn it into a spectacle for strangers like myself to gawk at and laugh at? Why would you even think to do that? The answer is that you do it because you lack the capacity for a true inner life. It's, it's a little bit too simple to say, oh, they want attention. I mean, they do want attention, but I think the problem is deeper than that. Because in the modern age, many people have outsourced their inner life, their, in, their, their internal dialogue to the internet. I'm convinced this is why we spend so much time on the Internet in the first place. It's why when you're in the checkout line or waiting for an oil change or an elevator or anywhere else, everyone around you is just on their phone the whole time, never looking up, not at all present in the moment. They can't stand to have a moment of stillness, a moment of inactivity, a moment of silence, because then they start to think, think their own thoughts for a change, and that becomes too much to bear. So they retreat to cyberspace again to escape themselves, to escape their own minds. So this woman is in the midst of what could have been, had she not involved the entire world in it, a really profound and painful and important episode in her life. It's a confrontation with with harsh realities, an occasion to feel, to really feel guilt and accountability and shame and determination. All of these emotions that are heavy to bear, but could also be invigorating and motivating and clarifying, could have been a very human moment. And she was in it, experiencing it, but she pulled back, retreated, and decided to use it as content instead. Decided to reduce it to spectacle. And once it's a spectacle, it immediately loses the meaning it could have had and the impact it could have had for you and on you. There's, there's something quite beautiful and human about having a moment of great emotional impact, uh, an awakening of sorts. And then uh, I, I think that the, the kids would call it a red pill. And then, and then not telling a single soul about it, just keeping it within, letting it seep deep into yourself, letting it be. You don't tell anybody. It's just for you. Forever. Nobody else. We should have many such moments as humans. Did you know that? We don't realize this anymore. There should be many thoughts that we think and never tell anyone. Many emotions we feel and never announce to anyone. But now nothing is private. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is personal. Nothing is left for the individual to hold within and ponder. All is just spewed out into the public as empty distraction for strangers who don't really care anyway. What could have been an occasion for growth has instead become an occasion to attract attention. And not even meaningful attention, but the cheapest and most pointless kind of it. And that's why she's canceled. And that's why all women crying in their cars and filming it are canceled. And it's why all of us on the internet are canceled for being a part of this problem to one extent or the other. All that said, I do also have to acknowledge that the content was actually correct. Um, one of the hardest realizations for a parent is that is that, you know, you're really being pretty ridiculous when you get angry at your kids. I mean, that's what you have to realize at a certain point as a parent, like you really... You almost never have any legitimate reason to be angry at your kids. It's hard to justify anger at your child when you consider three facts about them. One, they have significant neurological limitations. Nothing you or they can do about that. Number two, they are acting exactly as you did at their age. And number three, this is the hardest of all, and this is what she's dealing with. They're acting as you do now, too. So if you're impatient and prone to shouting your kid will be the same. If you're disorganized and messy, your kid will be the same. If you use bad language, as she mentioned, your kid will do the same. You really have no right to be mad at them for doing and and behaving exactly as you do. If anything, they should be mad at you for setting such a bad example. And then for having the gall to expect more of your child than you expect of yourself, because that's the truth. If you are, again, let's say, to use an example that hits very close to home for me, an impatient person and then you get mad at your kid for being impatient, then you are quite literally expecting your, whatever, nine-year-old to be a better person than you. And when you think about it like that, it well, it makes you feel even worse. And that's when the parenting guilt spiral begins, and you start falling down it, and you start thinking to yourself, my God, I'm a failure, I'm not cut out for this, I'm a horrible person, and you start crying in your car. Which again, all that's fine, just don't film it. The good news is... um, I guess if we can call it that, is that every parent is guilty of getting mad at their kids for doing stuff that they themselves did and still do. Because while your child has limitations by virtue of being a child, you also have limitations by virtue of being human. That doesn't excuse your failures as a parent, but it does mean that you might as well skip over the self-pity and guilt trip and just get back to work trying to be a better person, a better example, a better parent than you have been. Because we're all trying to scratch and call, crawl our way through this, mostly blind. We're all kind of making it up as we go along. That's another realization you have as a parent. You start, you start thinking back to your own parents when, when, you know, when you were your kid's age. And you realize, that, oh, they had no idea what the hell they were doing either. That's why there are a billion parenting books on the market. And they all sell a million copies each. Because all parents, if they have any self-awareness or intelligence, will reach a point where they say, holy crap, I have no idea what I'm doing. And that's when they run out looking for the the how-to manual. Like someone give me, someone tell me how to do this. But we're wasting our money when we buy those books because the real parenting how-to, the real guide, is what we already know. It's just we have trouble implementing it because it's hard. Basically, just be a better person, be more patient, be more kind, have more discipline. Set a better example. That's really it. Like, that's it, right? And at that point comes yet another epiphany, which is this. Wait, no. I do know how to be a better parent. Parenting is simple. The problem is that I want to be a parent and raise good kids, well-behaved kids, well-adjusted kids, without making the prerequisite changes to myself and my own behavior and lifestyle. That's where all of my problems are coming from as a parent. That just doesn't work. You got to make the changes to yourself. It sounds like the woman in the video was arriving at this conclusion. And she should be commended for that. I I mean that sincerely. But she's still canceled because she filmed it. And there's just no excuse for that. And uh, on that note, a little bit of a bittersweet. Commended, yet still canceled. That can happen. Happens sometimes. We'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Production manager, Pavel Vadosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Mika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, the media pushed President Biden
1: as the most normal, normal person who has ever normaled in the history of normalcy. But there is only one problem. His policy, not normal. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Join us.